Welcome to Better Words, a podcast for readers who want to know the stories behind the pages. We're your hosts, Caitlin and Michelle, two book nerds who bring you in-depth conversations about writing and publishing from those on the inside. Basically, we're just here to talk about books. We're so glad you're joining us. Hello, welcome to a bonus episode of Better Words. Hello. This is so exciting. We haven't done these properly before. We've just kind of chucked up like an end of year wrap up or something. But yeah, we're excited. Look at to... us trying to be more intentional. I know. <laughs> I'm excited to do this and do a couple of little mini ones. First up, it's nonfiction November. I mean, I did say look at us trying to be intentional, but we came up with like, this idea like well days ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we totally forgot that it was nonfiction November, um, but this seemed like a good one to talk about. Yeah. And like, I am not the biggest reader of nonfiction, but I did definitely have a few faves this year, um, not including the wonderful books by authors we had the opportunity to interview this year, which we'll not be chatting about. But um, so just additional recommendations before we totally kick off. Trivial Grievances by Bradley Jabor. Excellent. The First Time I Thought I Was Dying by Sarah Walker. So fascinating. Um, and we also did mini book clubs this year on Rosie Waterland's second memoir, Every Lie I've Ever Told, and on Amanda Montel's Cultish, which we both found so fascinating. So just like four extras before we get in. But uh, that is almost half of the nonfiction I've read for the year. So <laughs> I've not picked from a wide selection, but I think they're good ones still. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too with nonfiction, and I do love that nonfiction November exists because I, I think that we can get caught up in, you know, reading fiction. And I like clearly we love fiction. It's a majority of what we read. But I think over the past few years uh, maybe sort of just before we started doing this podcast I really started to read a little bit more non-fiction I think um, I think a lot of us feel a bit like oh it's a bit like school or whatever but I started to discover books that really like where creative writing met true stories and I think that discovering those sorts of books has been really wonderful yeah. and so you know some of my favorite non-fiction which it's not what we're going to share. We're going to share nonfiction that we read this year. Um, but, you know, some of my favourites, it literally just feels like someone is sitting down and telling you a story and it, it feels like reading fiction almost in that way. Um, so if you are hesitant at all to read nonfiction, I would encourage you to keep going until you find books where you get that sense of story and that sense of spark and I promise they're out there. Absolutely. I mean, there, there is that, you know, that great quote. It's like anyone who says they don't like reading hasn't read the right book yet. And you do find little sections that you enjoy. And like uh, years ago, I'm sure, Michelle, you've heard me say this before. I used to joke that my nonfiction was pretty much exclusively a female comedian memoirs, <laughs> um, yes. which I still love um, and did read uh at least two of those this year <laughs> um but you know I used to like joke about that but what's you know what's wrong with There's that they're funny 
They've got yeah. good stories. They talk for a living and tell stories for a living. That's why they can write good books. So yeah, there is nothing wrong with that at all. And not every nonfiction has to be like a really boring, dry history book. In fact, I'm going none to be of sharing... the ones I've recommended are like. That. <laughs> I was going to say I'm going to share a history book, but it is not like that at all. Like it is, yeah, it's brilliant. Awesome. Just one sharing it. So, do you want to? kick us off I was just about to ask if you wanted to go first but I can go first um because actually the first one I want to talk about it does go on exactly from what you said about great nonfiction feeling like someone is sitting down and just telling you a story and I can tell by the look on your face which obviously our listeners can't hear that you know exactly what I'm gonna say (laughs) um and Obviously, I'm sure all of our listeners know by now as well that I do work for HarperCollins. No one at HarperCollins has told me to recommend this book on my podcast, and I did have the opportunity to work on this one. I feel so strange still talking about books that I get the opportunity to work on or read early at work on here, but this book is just too special and it's too good. So I am talking about Love Stories by Trent Dalton, and in case you've missed any of this stuff in the bookish world and on Instagram. I mean, some of our listeners are international. Yeah, so, so they might have. I mean, they might have missed the whole <laughs> Trent Dalton hype entirely. Maybe. But basically, you know, there is, a, I'm sure I've read a joke somewhere that Trent Dalton is like the Harry Styles of Australian publishing and literature. <laughs> <laughs> he, is, he does look a little bit like an older Harry Styles. Oh, that's not where I was going with that. But oh, yeah, right. I mean, he's just like. I mean, he's not bad looking. No, but he's. <laughs> The main thing is, is that he will tell you himself, massive cheese ball, like just so, he's so nice. And what he did with Love Stories is he literally just set up um, a little desk and a typewriter that he got as a gift from a um, family friend and just asked people who were walking past him in Brisbane CBD to tell him a love story. Um, And he wove them all together into this book. And, you know, it sounds simple and, like, why would you want to read it and everything? But it's so nice and it really does restore your faith in humanity because you're like, oh, people are nice and people do love each other. And I really liked the whole vibe, vibe of the whole book, if I can say that, because it almost does read in kind of chronological order. Like people will walk back past Trent and give him updates on their story or they'll walk past while he's talking to someone else and then like they're all having a conversation and it was just it's a really really nice read and it's it's kind of funny to explain that it's just a collection of real stories that's you know random people on the street have told a writer and he's written them down and you think, well, why would I care about any of these random people in Brisbane who just happened to walk past Trent in the two weeks that he was there? But, you know, it's nice to hear real stories and think that, yeah, these nice people are out there. You know, it's like that classic thing, everyone that you walk, like you have no idea about the life of anyone that you walk past and they could have an amazing story to tell you. Yeah, and I mean, this is exactly why I like being a journalist because yeah, as exactly. bad as some things are, um, I met some amazing people and I know that Trent started out being a journalist as well and this book just sounds wonderful. I'm sure I'm going to love it. Um, and, yeah, I just love the concept as well of 
kind of essentially crowdsourcing a book. It's cool. Yeah. It's kind of cool, isn't it? Yeah. And I don't know. The only thing I can think to tell people when they ask me about this book is um, I just want to say to them, no, really, it's just really nice. Like <laughs> It is just, what we need right now, isn't it? It's just so nice. Something um, nice. Yeah. And like if you, if anyone, you know, goes on to Trent, Trent's Instagram and he's like shared some posts that other people, so many people are posting things saying like, oh, my God, 10 pages in and I'm crying. Like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it does seem like the sort of nice thing that we need right now. Okay, so shall we do one of mine now? Yes, your turn. Go. Okay, so um, I will mention the book that I just sort of alluded to, a historical uh, book. Not that's boring, historical book. Not boring, but from the outset, like you might feel like it could be, and I will say it is probably, I mean, if you've never read nonfiction before, <laughs> Don't start with this because it is <laughs> it is a it is a big book, mm-hmm. but it's one of the best nonfiction books I've ever read. So it is called The Five by Hallie Rubenhold. I don't know whether this has been a big thing in Australia, Caitlin, but it was everywhere in the UK. And it the it's a Sunday Times bestseller. On the front cover, we have quotes from the New York Times, the Sunday Times. Inside on the front um, inside cover, we have the Guardian, Mail on Sunday, Financial Times, um, Spectator, Daily Mail, Sunday Times, Lucy Worsley, who's a really renowned historian in the UK. Um, yeah, it's just full of praise for so so many things so it is just being massively praised and I must admit I did you know put it off for a little bit but I picked it up when it came out in paperback and it is just so so good and it is worth the hype but I will say it's one of those non-fiction books that I dipped in and out of and it probably took me like five or six months to read simply because it was quite dense but not in a bad way mm-hmm. so I'll kind of read the back just to explain. Polly, Annie, Elizabeth, Catherine and Mary Jane are famous for the same thing, though they never met. They came from Fleet Street, Knightsbridge, Wolverhampton, Sweden and Wales. They wrote ballads, ran coffee houses, lived on country estates. They breathed ink dust from printing presses and escaped people traffickers. What they had in common was the year of their murders, 1888. Their murderer was never identified, but the name created for him by the press has become more famous than any of these women. In this devastating narrative of five lives, historian Hallie Rubenhold finally gives the women back their stories. So in case you don't know, it's about Jack the Ripper. Um, But it really, I think, less than five times was actually mentioned. This book, as the blurb sort of indicates, is all about giving lives back to these women who are often just regarded as you know oh Jack the Ripper killed prostitutes and I'm going to use that word there because that's the the word that is often used in that historical context Um, and we never really know who they are and I think a lot of people would also be quite surprised if they're not into true crime to know that Jack the Ripper only killed five people because I think the legend makes it seem like so much more I don't know too much about the whole story but um and as horrible as this sounds five people for a serial killer doesn't seem like that many (laughs) it's also because I think it happened quite quickly like within a couple of months so basically each section 
is split up into multiple chapters. So it has five parts for the five women and it essentially is a biography of each of the women and the research in this is just incredible like it is considering it's such a long time ago to know so much or to find out so much research in terms of like going through newspapers tracing back to their births and their families which isn't always easy and she so she really has brought them to life and given them a bit of a voice essentially of like the complexities of their lives aside from their potential professions because actually not all of them were engaging in sex work um, and it it very much was a way to diminish their humanity and so this book is all about giving their humanity back so that's why I say like it is quite dense and quite long but what you could do I tended to sort of read a part for one person and then maybe put it down for a few weeks and then come back and read a few more. But in terms of actually how it's written, it does sort of read more like a fictional account in that she really has brought this colour and everything into the lives. And so it doesn't, I can see the depth of research, but it doesn't feel like it. But it, it just, I look at it and just marvel at how much research has gone into it. And actually the fact that she sort of has suggested some of the things that she has about the killer as well. She got trolled massively by people who essentially don't like the fact that these women have been given their voice again. Like it, from it, this is a very feminist novel. Um, I mean, it's not a novel, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very feminist book and it's a very feminist act to, to give these women back their voice. And Hallie Rubenhold has been trolled massively by people who are overly invested in the idea of Jack the Ripper and uncovering who he is and some really horrible people on the internet um so yeah this book is is just I mean uncovering who he is you know I understand that but like god how dare we talk about the innocent women he murdered exactly like how dare we suggest that there is any differences how dare we suggest that maybe the police didn't treat these cases in the way that they deserved because these women were seen as less than human because they were sleeping on the streets or in the workhouse or engaged in sex sex work. Because they were deemed important by high society. Exactly. But, yeah, I'm just amazed at the the depth of research. So, like I said, I would say going into it, don't – you probably – it's going to be one that sort of you have on the back burner for a little bit, go in and out of it, but it's it's so worth it for – just the fact that, yeah, we give women and, and you know, Kate, like Caitlin, you know, I feel very strongly about like the ethics around crime reporting. Yeah. And I think this is something that's really well done. Don't worry if you're not into true crime or anything, because there's actually very little crime element in this. Like basically every story obviously stops at the point that the woman is murdered. But it really, that's like such a, like a 1% of the story that you get. It's really about five women in very five different circumstances in Victorian England and yeah it's really fascinating from a social context as well yeah wow <laughs> oh I that's mean, like that's the only serious one I'm going to recommend yeah everything else is quite is is fairly light <laughs> no I mean so I think uh it's really important to go back you know for such a famous serial killer I guess and like his his victims to go back because I think that's something that people are a lot more 
aware of now about like naming the victim not the killer and you know things like that so yeah, yeah that's and a big I one I believe like the hate that she got from people it's 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 in this day and age that seems really crazy I know but also in this day and age I can believe that that would happen when I know isn't it gross Ugh. yeah Ugh. anyway <laughs> yeah well my next one is uh <laughs> a real 180 <laughs> um and it, as I already joked, uh, female comedian book. <laughs> so my next one, I definitely recommended this on the podcast already, but that's not what we're here for today. Um, it's 488 Rules for Life by Kitty Flanagan. And I listened to this for free on the ABC Listen app. Um, so Aussies, I believe it's still available for free there. And also... Uh, Kitty has just released a new book. It's called More Rules for Life, An Enthusiast's Guide or something like that, <laughs> a special volume for enthusiasts, um, which I cannot wait to pick up a copy of. I've already told my family, um, who I'm pretty sure have just given up on buying new books, that uh, that's one I actually want. <laughs> that's a good one to get me. Um, because 488 Rules for Life, a you know, spin on how 12 rules is far from enough. enough. There needs to be a lot more rules to keep society in line. Like (laughs) don't open packets of chips in the middle of the movies. Duh. Um, But yeah, so, so funny. I listened to the audio book and Kitty Flanagan is just hilarious. And it really couldn't be a more fun read. And I've recommended the audiobook on the ABC Listen app to so many people, including you, Michelle. Have you listened to it? I have not. <laughs> That's all right. I mean, you haven't read Thursday Murder Club, so. Yeah, I know. Even. We've got, we're, we're, <laughs> we're we're still listening to each other's recommendations. A I bit know. More. You'd think that we would, but uh, sorry to shatter that illusion, dear listeners. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is why we schedule stuff in as book clubs. Otherwise, we would never do it. We wouldn't. No. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So Lovely. I don't really have that much else to say about that one, other than just it's like just seriously, fun. you will like I one million percent guarantee that you'll laugh if you I listen to or it. read this book. So I love Kitty Flanagan. So yeah, I know I'll love it. Um, so carrying on the comedic theme, my yes. next book I'm going to show you because even though I no can, one else can see it, yes. is um, No Shame by Tom Allen, and this actually I'm pretty sure was the first book I read in. 2021 um, because it was one of the books that Jack bought me for Christmas so Tom Allen is a British comedian he's very funny um, and I mean I just I love his comedy Um, but here's a a little extract from the blurb just in case you're not familiar with him when I was 16 I dressed in Victorian clothing in a bid to distract people from the fact that I was gay it was a flawed plan (laughs) Um, so it's very much and it is that typical of a memoir in that it is snippets of his life certain bits um, a lot of coming to terms with his sexuality um, but also just I guess maybe the I don't want to say oddities because I really like resonated with a lot of things but just how he felt like a bit of an outcast not necessarily for his sexuality but just didn't feel like he fitted in anywhere and he does have a scene where he describes going to a party and really not knowing how to interact with people so he just started cleaning instead and I 100% have done that before so like 
I totally get that. And yeah, he sort of splits it up into things like traveling, acting, working, like all he sort of does a series of anecdotes on each particular topic. Um, and he just has such a lovely way about things. And because I've seen his comedy as well, a bit like I guess with Kitty Flanagan, like I know you listen to the audio, but I definitely read this in Tom's voice with his inflections and stuff because I've seen him so much. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's, yeah, it's just like things like I was born and not delivered by angels in June 1983. (laughs) I was 12 days late and have been ever since. Like he's just, yeah. Since I can remember in my head, I have always had the sense that I was an adult and any childish encounter from being made to sit at the children's table at a wedding to being forced to do PE at school felt like a hideous misdemeanor. And really, is there a manager I could speak to about this? Oh, that's so funny. He just has such a lovely turn of phrase. And I just raced through this book because I just really enjoyed it. But yeah, there are some really poignant moments in it as well. Um, and I think that's the thing about comedic memoirs as well. You do go into a lot of them thinking, oh, this person's so funny. Ha ha ha. It's going to be great. But obviously what underlies that often is some sort of emotional pain. And I think, yeah, yeah, it it can be a really. There's still humans with real problems. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, um, exploring pain through some funny anecdotes. Um, so yeah, no shame by Tom Allen. Yes. My third book, um, for the rest of this episode, there will be a theme, uh, for me at least. Um, my third book, uh, nonfiction book that I really, really loved this year is The Office, The Untold Story of the Greatest Sitcom of the 2000s by Andy Green. Very nice. Um, I, I just adore behind the scenes. I, I love sitcoms, um, I love like the format and the structure and the writing and everything, like everything. And I love behind the scenes content from my favorite TV shows and the office by Andy Green is like an oral history. It's like all interviews and everything with cast writers, producers, executives at the network, like everything is in this book about how the show was adapted from the UK version how it actually wasn't very popular um, in the first couple of seasons, how, you know, the network, you know, once they had a hit on their hands, they had to, like, the writers had to try hard to keep the integrity of the show with, like, no guest stars and everything and just quietly that goes out the window by about the fifth season. (laughs) Um, You know, like, they used to have these jokes, like, there's actually a really perfect example of that, is um, the story of an episode that was uh, aired after the Super Bowl. So it was like a big double episode. It's a big slot in American TV. They always put their best there. And in the office, I think season five, they were like, well, it's the Super Bowl episode. We need like some cool guest stars. And they were like, but Jack Black can't just walk into the office. So how they have guest stars on the office (laughs) at this time anyway, um, was that they had the characters of like Jim and Pam and Andy watching a movie starring Jack Black. <laughs> but it was like a fake movie. I forget who the other, who else was in it. Jessica Alba, I think. And like that's how they're like, oh, guest star. 
but it's like, but he can't. Yeah. It's just very funny. Actually, but... Yeah, part of the... Yeah, what? he's not just, like, going to walk into, like, the Dunder Mifflin office because that would make no sense. Like, people would yeah. know who he is. He's Jack Black, you know? Yeah. It, I don't know. It's just very funny. And I love I love all that behind-the-scenes information. And The Office by Andy Green is the first book about The Office that I read. I'm currently looking forward to Welcome to Dunder Mifflin, The Ultimate Oral History of The Office by Ben Silverman and Brian Baumgartner. And... Office BFFs, Tales of the Office from Two Best Friends Who Were There by Angela Kinsey and Jenna Fisher, which is based, which on, is based on the podcast. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm so excited for those. I'm sure, I mean, there will have to be crossover information, but I'm still uh-huh. very excited to read both of those. Wonderful. Um, well, my next one is not super serious, but actually this could be a good like self-helpy one if you're looking for that. So um, I'm actually, I read this first I borrowed a copy from my friend in the UK when we stayed at their house before we moved and I loved it so much I needed to buy my own and I'm going to read it again I just feel like it's something that you can come back to at different points in your life and it will resonate and help you in different ways which is why I decided to buy a copy so it's called Adventures in Opting Out a field guide to leading an intentional life by Kate Flanders and I am not one for self-help books I really am not but I trusted my friend Alicia on this she's been a big fan of Kate's work for ages um and it basically is talking about leading your own life but through the metaphor of like going on a hike so she talks about um the idea of like okay we're going to set out and you might be on the wrong path or you know like basically all the rules for hiking um within this book so like getting to the valley and then getting to the first viewpoint and then getting to the summit and then how you walk out of that and all that sort of stuff um but you know she also talks a lot about obviously her own hiking experiences but what it was like for her to go traveling and really give up a a very comfortable life that she had so like Mm -hmm. opting out of this life that people expected of her and create the life that she wanted and Caitlin we've had some discussions this week about like my personal life and everything that you you'll know that why I want to read this book again and I just feel like it is one of those like really inspirational pep talks but I just love the use of like the metaphor and the way the chapters are split up into like okay so we're starting on the walk now and and this is what you're going to see and this is what you're going to feel and it, yeah. it, it is really nice without being super self-helpy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I really And about really that it. focusing on thinking about, like, what you want and what's best for you. And, yes. Yeah. And she does talk about, you know, like, what's going to happen with other people when you do that, which is probably one of my biggest fears. Um, and, you know, how it felt for her as well. Um, and, you know, um, I guess, yeah, like, how you deal with those conversations how you have those conversations with people um and yeah basically just like I said all those sorts of little things of like um maybe going on the wrong path maybe having to go back um yeah it's just really it's really cute and like okay how do you celebrate this packing out looking back enjoying the view changing course all that sort of stuff and I never been one for self-help books but I really enjoyed that and it didn't feel like full of self-helpy sort of guru-y talk like it felt really real and authentic so that is why it's on my list of recommendations and now 
I thought it might be fun if we could share like one or two nonfiction books that we're looking forward to reading in the future. Perfect. Okay, you go first. Okay, my first one that I really want to start reading very soon because I would like to read it before the new series comes out. (laughs) I told you there'd be a theme. The book I um, really do want to start reading like this week is Sex in the City and Us by Jennifer Keishan Armstrong, which is all about, yeah, again, it's like big all about the behind the scenes of and like the phenomenon and impact and everything of the original Sex in the City series. Yeah, and your second one? My second one that I'm looking forward to comes out in January, I believe. It's called How to Be Perfect, and it's by Michael Schur, who who created The Good Place, and it's all, all about the ethic. <laughs> <laughs> I said there was going to be a theme. I love it. This is great. Um, yeah, so How to Be Perfect by Michael Schur. It's all about ethics and like the moral philosophy and everything because he's obviously so interested in that that's how he came up with the idea of the good place the tv show and i love that show um and so i think it is you know written with some help from the uh professors and stuff who served as philosophy advisors and things like that for the show um but yeah so i mean i just can't wait it's gonna be so great (laughs) Well, I guess I have a little bit of a theme as well because the one that I'm really looking forward to that came out a few months ago um, is A Class Act by Rob Beckett and this is another British comedian who Jack and I both love. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I have yet to get a copy of that. I really want to read that. Um, A Class Act, he's actually talking a lot about um, the class divide and kind of some of the moral issues he feels about maybe like his kids growing up in a different class to what he he's very working class and mm-hmm. I think it's all about that like you're going to give your kids a better life but does that actually make it worse in some respects like what how are you going to um, yeah. make sure they're not too spoiled and all this sort of stuff but obviously infusing it with his background as well um, and then to continue with that theme as well uh, for my birthday, Jack got me a book by another comedian that we both love. I mean, if you can't tell already, we have a thing for British comedians. Um, and it is um, Parsnips Buttered by Joe Lycett. And it's an I, amazing title. I know. <laughs> I think I sent you the blurb um, in our like text messages um but basically it is taking on people one email at a time which he's he sort of bought that into his stand-up as well and he does like these fake personas and basically trolls people but for fun so he does it to he has a whole show actually at the moment on channel four in the uk called joe lice it's got your back and it is essentially trolling and being annoying to the companies who are maybe ripping consumers off to put them in their place so it's all like he's sort of I say trolling in a light-hearted way he sort of does it to you know get back at people who deserve it so for example there's a viral clip on Facebook of him doing an email exchange where um, someone contacted him and um, told them that they were being scammed um, by someone and so he started trying to scam the scammer essentially and was just like you know it's a it's a really funny video if I can find it I'll link it in here but basically that is what this book is about and yeah so that was a birthday present from Jack and I'd really like to I know it's going to be so funny that does sound very funny yeah 
well, this has been really nice. I miss recording episodes with you every week. Yeah. (laughs) Whenever we finish a season, everyone, we feel so lost because we go from talking all the time about the podcast, having a date to record our intro every Monday or Tuesday where we will then have a chat after about our yeah, lives. Before just and suddenly, after. Recording yeah, before those 15-minute intros normally takes us over an hour. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, the week that we finish the podcast, the next one we just suddenly don't have any contact. Like, we text each other, but we just we don't have that need to it's not the same and it is like we both had very busy weeks last week and we literally would be like missing texts from each other from like two days and we both be like oh I'm so sorry I didn't text you back I've been really busy and it's just because we don't have the the pressure of like needing to talk to each other about stuff yeah um so yeah it's nice to it's nice to do this and we've got a couple more coming your way as well um which are yeah much more bonus recs and things like that so yeah because we read a lot outside the podcast and we want to share with you yeah we sure do enjoy Um, and um, get into the festive spirit nice and early definitely but yeah that was non-fiction november and really non-fiction 2021 basically Yeah. yeah i mean we're definitely i feel like oh does this mean we should have no non-fiction category in our wrap-up I think maybe we shouldn't. I don't know. Yeah, we'll just link back to this episode in our wrap-up. Yeah. Yeah, Mm, we should have thought about that. (laughs) Possibly should have, but also if we did non-fiction section in our big wrap-up, it would have been the same books. I only have like three more that I read. (laughs) I actually, I have a feeling that I actually finished the five in 2020 technically, but it probably would have been, yeah, similar. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, that was our non-fiction wrap-up of 2021, I guess, everyone. Thank you for listening. I can't remember what I finished it. (laughs) It took me like six months to read. Thank you so much for joining us and we will speak again soon. Thank you for listening to Better Words. You can chat to us on Instagram at betterwordspod. And follow me, Michelle, at Unfinished Bookshelf. And me, Caitlin, at Just a Bookish Babe. If you liked this episode, please share it with a book-loving friend and leave a rating or review.